Welcome to the Perlou Podcast. I am Alexis Trammell, and today we are speaking with Jen Ruiz. Jen is a lawyer turned full-time solo travel blogger. Jen on a Jet Plane is a blog helping people travel for less and experience more. She is a number one Amazon best-selling author, a TEDx speaker, and she was named top 40 under 40 by the Naples Herald. Jen, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Alexis. Such a pleasure. So tell us a little bit about yourself and Jen on a jet plane. Well, uh, like you mentioned, I'm a solo female travel blogger. I started the blog when I just started taking small trips around the world um, while I was still employed. And then right before my 30th birthday, I took on a challenge to take 12 trips in 12 months just to have kind of a big personal accomplishment under my belt by that milestone date. And I ended up taking 20 trips in 12 months. um, And then I realized that that was actually my passion, that I really enjoyed traveling. I really enjoyed writing. It was part of what made me like the law in the first place, that ability to really just um, move people with words and and writing. So I decided to write a book. Um, I wrote my first book, The Affordable Flight Guide, because so many people kept asking me how I was able to afford to travel so much um, because I worked in nonprofit law, not corporate law. (laughs) So I think people knew right away something. There had to be something that I was doing differently that I was able to afford all these trips. And um, so I put all of my best secrets for finding cheap flights into a book. Everybody really enjoyed it. They really um, found it helpful. And then I realized that I could kind of pursue this as a living. I had taken on a job teaching English online on the side while I was still working also to help fund my travels. Um, So I switched to writing and traveling full time and then also using that remote teaching gig to help fund some of the the transition. And I've been now for almost a year um, just doing this full time. And I have a second book that came out and I've been working on the blog and it's been a great experience. That's amazing. That's so very cool. So what made you pursue this dream job in the beginning? And uh, what made you make the, make the switch from law? Well, I think a lot of people, especially with law, it's such a tough field to get into. You have to go through so much education and, and a lot of, you know, a lot of kind of going through the ringer to get a good job in the first place. Um, I know it took me years before I finally landed the legal aid job that I was working at, which was, you know, a great job because it paid your student loans after 10 years through a public service loan forgiveness program, um, which a lot of us have a lot of student loans. Um, (laughs) um, So it was, you know, it took me a long time to get there. And I think once you get to that point where you've already put in so much effort and so much work to get to a career path, you really do feel stuck there. And that's a a sentiment that I've seen echoed throughout many different attorneys at all different fields um, where they enjoy what they're doing. But at the end of the day, they feel like they wouldn't be able to make any kind of switch. They feel like they're kind of stuck on that path. Um, And for me, that was problematic because I enjoyed being an advocate for the less fortunate, especially at legal aid. My work was very rewarding. Um, But I fought with people every single day, every single day. Um, And so it was like, imagine your worst customer service phone call where you just hang up the phone and you're livid and you're like, I'm never, you know, I'm done with this company. Um, And that's, that's how I felt essentially at the end of every day. Um, And it was 
good in that I, I could help other people, but also at the same time, it really wore on me. So I knew that this wasn't something that I could do sustainably for a long time. I, I still really much, I value my legal knowledge. I value my degree, but I knew that I was at the point where I had kind of paid for an education to give me more flexibility and I didn't want to feel stuck. You know, I wanted to feel like I'm well-trained, I'm well-educated, I can pick up things quickly. I should be able to make a switch if I wanted to, to a career path that really suits me better and doesn't stress me out so much every day. Um, so I just decided that's when I decided to start traveling just to try to find some kind of joy, some things to look forward to daily. Um, so instead of feeling like I'm constantly stuck in a struggle or constantly seeing the worst of people, because really in the law, you do see the worst of people a lot. Um, and that's with everyone and the situations that they're in and, and the way that, you know, attorneys sometimes treat others. And for me, that was very disheartening. So uh, travel kind of brought this light into my life where I could have something to look forward to for these trips and I would have some kind of escape and, and release. And it was just so wonderful and warm. And it was something that I looked forward to so much. And I realized that maybe that was something that I should be pursuing instead. What, you know, fills me with joy and happiness as opposed to kind of dread and, and all of that. So that's when I decided to start traveling. And then once I realized that I could do these trips, that I could work remotely, that I could kind of make a living off of writing books, I, I discovered everything about self-publishing and, and marketing and in general. And I learned a lot about that industry. Uh, and I'm still learning, you know, every single day. That's another thing I really like about it is that it's a constant challenge. Um, but so that's what made me decide to pursue traveling and writing instead. And I, I really love writing. I had an article that came out in the Huffington Post about why I quit dating to travel the world full time. And that was something that went pretty viral. And, and I had women contacting me from the Ukraine, contacting me from Mexico saying, oh my God, like your words really reached me. I felt like you were speaking right to me. I felt like, you know, you were looking into my life. And that's when I realized that I had this power with words to really impact and reach people and affect them for the better. Um, and I wanted to pursue that through travel writing. Wow. Wow. How impactful. That's amazing. So what was it like when you were first getting started in your career? I mean, Peru is full of some up-and-coming influencers and some more well-established ones. And I think they'd love to hear what it was just like getting started for you early, early on when you were trying to grow that audience. Well, I think a lot of people think, and especially now they look at me and they think, oh, she has like the best life. It must have been so easy. Her growth happened so quickly. In reality, that's not the case. I actually started blogging back in 2014. When I first started, you know, I had moved from Maryland to Florida. Maryland is where I went to law school and then Florida is where I had gone to college and I didn't know why I was crazy enough to go from Florida back up to the cold. Um, so, <laughs> so I moved back down and I had passing the bar in Florida. You know, I, my license from Maryland didn't translate there. So I was working, you know, as a bar attorney, as a law clerk at a firm making what $12 an hour, just really below what I should have been making at that stage. And I needed a creative outlet. And that's when I started the blog. And my blog was not Jen on a Jet Plane at first. I think when it first started, it was something like 20s chic. Um, so it was more targeted towards you know, just helping people get through that transition in their 20s where they're kind of feeling lost. They're kind of feeling like they're trying to figure themselves out. And then it wasn't really a sustainable blog. Obviously, I'm, I'm already not in my 20s, so that didn't last long. <laughs> but that's what helped me get started with writing and blogging. And then through that, I was able to find other channels and, and publish my work there, like with Elite Daily and things like that, and get me into freelance writing as well, which has been really instrumental for me in growing a following and reaching a new audience. Um, but then from there, I rebranded as well into uh, like, what's just 
been up to, which I was realized wasn't really niche enough. And this is as I was learning about blogging. You know, I really didn't know much when I started. I just thought, you know, get on the computer, put your thoughts out there and, and the people will come. And that's really just so far from how it works. So years later, and then in 2016, I finally transitioned to Jen on a Jet Plane. It took a lot of brainstorming. It was after I had taken kind of a half dozen trips that year prior to my 29th year, where I went to Machu Picchu and Barcelona and um, just hiking by myself in, in Colorado and the Rocky Mountains. And all of those things really sparked my love of travel and, and helped lay the, the foundation for me to be able to take the 12 trips and 12 months challenge that following year. So when I had done all of that, that's when I decided to rebrand to Jen on a Jet Plane. So it took years before I got to Jen on a Jet Plane. And that's when I really started to take the blog seriously because I felt like, okay, this is finally it. Like it's finally falling into place. But before then there were points where I was like, you know, I don't even know, should I keep on with blogging? It's taking a lot of my time. It's not really giving me much in return. Maybe I should just focus on freelance writing solely. Um, so it was a lot of confusion, a lot of unsure whether or not I should continue and a lot of just trying to retrace my steps and see which way I should go moving forward. So when I finally landed on Jen on a jet plane, I just realized that that was it, that I had something special there. I really, I loved brainstorming with my friends to make sure the name was Travel Niche. And then afterwards, what really started to make a difference for me was uh, going to blogger conferences, travel blogger conferences specifically. That's where I met so many other people in this, in the field. And I realized, you know, I'm not alone. I, and, and I first travel bloggers are the most wonderful, quirkiest, weirdest people you'll ever meet. Um, so they're really just fantastic, fantastic people. And I'm so grateful to have all these people from around the world as friends that really share that common passion for discovery and adventure. Um, and so going to conferences made all the difference to me because I could finally start learning more about my field, start kind of honing in on the craft, start learning everything. I, the more I learned, the more I realized I knew nothing. Um, so like, SEO, search engine optimization, things like that, how to get people to your site, how to optimize articles so that they're showing up on, on Google, how to make sure that your, you know, that your work is actually relevant to people. So it's, you know, there's a time and place to write stories about your travels. And then there's a time and place also to write, you know, list posts and learning where's that appropriate. Just so many things that I learned along the way. And I'm still learning today, you know, every single day I wake up and I learn something new and there's another level to it. And it's so nuanced because essentially bloggers are self-taught and they do everything. You know, you're your own marketing, you're your own, you know, content writer, you're, you source your own images, you do everything, you do all your social media management. Like it's so many hats that we have to wear um, that it can be tough to perfect them all, especially all at once. So it's taken me a few years and it's 2019 now, it started in 2014. So it's been, it's been a while. And I think just now I'm really starting to get into the flow of things. And it's through that, through that professional networking, through being able to go to the conferences and, and sitting on a lot of sessions. I paid for a lot of, you know, different courses and things of the sort so that I could learn better. And that's what's helped me really bring the blog to what it is today. But it hasn't been overnight and it definitely hasn't been easy. Could you could you tell us a little bit about some of the mistakes that you felt like you were making early on before you knew about search engine optimization or fixing your content for readers or anything like that? Some of your largest mistakes. Absolutely. I have so many. Um, <laughs> so for instance, uh, I didn't know anything about keyword research. I didn't know long tail keywords, anything like that. So I had a post that I wrote on one of my 
first trips back in that year where I took the half dozen trips, one of those trips was to Amsterdam and I had come back and I had written about this fantastic uh, canal cruise that I had taken in Amsterdam. I just had the best time with them and I really wanted to rave about them and, and just add a lot of information about them. Uh, but I had used the keyword Amsterdam, which is just ridiculous because I would never in a million years rank for the keyword Amsterdam. It's just too flooded. Too many people write for that keyword. It's just never going to happen. So my post didn't even show up on page like 50 of Google, you know? Um, and then once I started to learn about long tail keywords, I just went back in and I revised that old post and I just changed it, just added a word and I made it to the actual name of the canal crew. So I changed it from Amsterdam to Friendship Amsterdam. And almost overnight, um, my post went to page one of Google for that long tail keyword. And then that brand had actually found me because they saw my article and they when you update it on WordPress, also it changes the date. So they thought, oh, this is a new article that I wrote. And they were like, oh my goodness, thank you so much. We saw your article. We've shared it with our channels. Uh, and that's when I realized the power of ranking because now I'd had this article up for years, essentially, and no one had ever found it. And now within you know a couple of days, I was getting contacted by the company themselves, who's presumably Googling themselves and then sees my article. And they were they had shared it for me. you know, So I'd seen how easy it is to make that connection and and have people actually find your work if you're able to target the right keywords. And that was a big thing for me. So learning about long tail keywords, learning about keyword volume, that's another thing. So maybe, you know, you have a keyword that has 10 searches a month and that's not really going to help you versus um, another example. Just recently, I did an article uh, reviewing Next Vacay. That's a flight alert service. I talk a lot about flight alerts in my book. And in general, it's one of the methods I endorse for finding cheap flights. And I had a lot of people that had been asking me about Next Vacay. And they're not even necessarily new. They've been out for a little bit now. But I just postponed writing that review, just thinking, oh, you know, it's not really going to be that beneficial. And then one day I just sat down and I wrote it. There was absolutely no competition for that keyword. I think maybe one other blogger has actually written about them. And she did so in a very shining light. So it looks almost as if she's affiliated with them in some way. And so I didn't have any affiliation with them. And I took advantage of that. And I put like a catchy title. So like my entrance is like too good to be true, question mark, my next vacay review. So anybody kind of strolling is going to see that and be like, oh, I don't know, is it too good to be true? Let me click. Um, And so within a week, it was not only on page one, but it was getting me massive traffic because this is a high volume keyword that not a lot of people have written for. Um, And so that was very instrumental for me to be able to realize just kind of how this system works, that I didn't really have any idea when I was starting. And those are two great examples of articles that have really been great for my site and they've helped me get exposure. And, you know, it made me more reputable with a brand. And it's something that I wouldn't have otherwise been able to do if my posts had, you know, remained in Google obscurity as they were. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That is so powerful to have that kind of knowledge. So Perlu being the only network built specifically for influencer collaboration and networking, how are you personally using Perlu right now? And how has Perlu helped you accomplish some of your goals? Well, I joined Perlu a few weeks ago, and I was so impressed because right off the bat, immediately when I logged in, I had so many opportunities on my dashboard. So I could just kind of scroll through and see, you know, people looking for collaborations, people looking for guest posts, different freelance writing opportunities. And um, I was 
just overwhelmed with how many things there were right off the bat without me even having connected to that many people on the platform yet. So right away, I was able to get different collaborations. Um, I think I've gotten at least five through them in the last couple of weeks alone where I've been able to get, you know, backlinks from some of these other sites with just small guest posts or contributions to their site. And that's something that I've also learned throughout time. It's very important for ranking is getting backlinks back to your website to improve your domain authority. So that's all been things that I've been working on and Perlu really helped me facilitate that easily right off the bat. Um, I actually have a post that I'm working on now that's about Puerto Rican food and empanadas. Um, I'm from Puerto Rico originally. Uh, and it was for a contribution for a woman on on Perlu that had been soliciting those types of articles based on food from around the world. So it's just been great in connecting me with people and giving me these opportunities to get these backlinks without kind of having to search for them. There's just them coming to me and them being readily available there for me to peruse the minute I log in. That's great. So what has the community been like that you have interacted with so far? So far, very supportive. Just it's so easy through the messaging platform. So I've been able to talk with people personally one-on-one, just really get pretty solid material on there, get a set deadline, respond. Um, They've been very supportive if I'm applying for different kind of freelance work that is advertised on there. There was different a different piece for somebody looking for experts for from Southeast Asia. And I happen to be coming here. It's where I'm currently I'm in Bali. Um, So that was helpful to find somebody there that could kind of put me in better contact with the organizers of that and really give me more information about what they were looking for generally. Um, So it's been really helpful in that regard. Wonderful. That's great. So you're in Bali right now and you're just kind of all over the world all the time. I'm curious, what is your secret to this nomadic lifestyle? How do you stay connected to your roots? Um, It's definitely a challenge. (laughs) I sold everything. So when I decided to move and do this full time, I I had a whole apartment of stuff and I said, okay, well, I can't take any of this with me. So I just sold everything. I mean, it got to be full clearance at my house, like a dollar for a bookshelf kind of thing. Um, And I got rid of everything that I had and I just decided, you know, I could really, for the money that I was paying to live in Naples, Florida at the time, which is a higher end area of Florida, um, usually a lot of retired people go there. So it's not necessarily affordable to live in. And I knew that I keeping my apartment there would hinder me from being able to travel around the world. So instead of paying, you know, a thousand, thousand five hundred for month, rent and expenses every month, um, I could use that money and really live much more affordably in other places. So where I'm at in Bali currently, you know, I'm, I'm I've been at this place for about three weeks, and I think at the end my full bill is going to be about two hundred and forty dollars. Um, and I have AC, I have strong enough Wi-Fi to do teaching online. I have you know free breakfast every morning. I'm five minutes from the main city here, at Ubud. So it's been really phenomenal, and I found that there's just so many places around the world world like that, that are much more affordable for digital nomads and become this kind of digital nomad hub. Um, So for me, it's been a struggle, definitely being able to balance both seeing the place that I'm in and and creating new content for the place that I'm in. Because when you travel, it could take up a lot of time and energy because you're nonstop all day. You know, you're trying to update all your social media channels and post the latest stories and make sure that you're keeping up with all kinds of daily demands of your blog, which when you get to the point that you're really trying to bring traffic can be very demanding um, and at the same time still working. So um, I took on a 30 
blog post in 30 days challenge here in, in January, just because I really wanted to kick off, like get a big boost to my traffic and capitalize off of those people that are searching for travel in January. And man, it has been tough to write an article every single day. Um, yesterday, I got home at like 10 p.m. and I was just like, nope, I can't. And I not knocked out. So this morning, actually, when I'm done with you, I'm going to be working on that. Um, so it's been a, a struggle to find a balance, but it's so worth it because every time I think like, oh man, like this is tough. I just think, how tough is it, Jen? Like really, you're in Bali. Like, is it really that tough? Like at the end of the day. <laughs> so, and, and that was something I, I went through yesterday too, where I was like, oh man, it's been such a long day. You know, my, my spot was canceled. I'd had that appointment for two weeks. And I was like, I realize now as I say this, that this doesn't sound like a problem. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just really been a, a lifestyle that I'm, I'm happy to embrace. And it's something that it, it does require sacrifices. Um, you know, I don't have a lot of belongings or things like that anymore. I, I can't really have um, any of those things holding me back from being able to travel. I travel with, you know, a carry on bag, ideally. So, you know, because you never know what's going to happen with flights. So I really kind of have to narrow my life down and into um, minimalism and just the least things that I can bring with me. But at the same time, it's been so rewarding and has given me so much abundance in return, just in terms of experiences and being able to meet people around the world and, and have these wonderful connections. Um, the homestay that I'm staying at here, you know, there's been a lot of festivals here in January, I guess, for the new year. And they invited me to come and, and pray with them in their family temple. And they gave me like their traditional attire. So the um, the lady of the house dressed me up in, in her clothing. Um, and they were just so welcoming to me. And they really just accepted me like one of their own here readily, you know, without barely knowing me. And it's those things and those experiences that make me so grateful for being in these places and make, you know, the 28 hours that I spent on the airplane to get here just so worthwhile. And that's, that's why I travel. Wow. What a life. That's wonderful. So where is your favorite place to visit? People ask me this a lot and I, I have to stay consistent with it because so far my best you know, joyous vacation where I just sat there and I thought I'm completely relaxed. I can't remember the last time I felt this way. Is this heaven? I think so. It was actually in the south of France. And I know it sounds a little bit stereotypical. I wish I had like a more off the beaten path place to give you. And I've seen many beautiful places all throughout the world that have had similar effects, but there's a place in the south of France called the Gorge du Verdun. And it's like the Grand Canyon of Europe. And it's just this amazing place with turquoise blue waters. And it's, in, it's in the south, so it's, you know, maybe an hour north of Nice and, and you know, three, four hours south of France, of, of Paris. And it's just so secluded and so wonderful. And I went in peak season in the middle of the summer um, in July because I knew that when I was doing my 12 trips in 12 months, that kind of frolicking through those lavender fields in Provence was a big bucket list item for me. I did so while singing, you know, the Beauty and the Beast soundtrack in my head. So <laughs> it was really just <laughs> wonderful. Like for me, it was like a, a childhood dream come true. And I just learned so much about that area. And, and it had everything I wanted. So it had like art and it had like the, the sunflowers and the lavender and just so much beauty there. And so when I got to the Gorge du Verdun, I was, you know, just paddle boating through the water there. And I just realized to myself, like, this is one of the most beautiful places on earth. I'm so lucky to be here right now. I am so relaxed. It was on a Monday. So I just thought to myself, all the Mondays that I had woken up and I had hated my life and I thought, oh, I have to go fight this person today or oh, I have to go into the courtroom. And I know that these people are going to look at me like, oh, you're the 
lawyer, like I got that a lot because I look young and I, I was young. I started practicing law. At, I was barred at 24 and I was practicing by 25. So I always looked like the paralegal and I got that a lot. And a lot of the kind of older male attorneys would be like, oh, I've been practicing for 20 years, you know, and they've tried to intimidate me in that way. And I just, I had to get myself ready mentally for that fight every single day. And I just remember that that was such a sharp contrast to that feeling of dread and, and feeling like, oh, I have to fight somebody today and I have to really defend myself with every word I say versus paddling in the middle of paradise in the south of France thinking I have nothing to do today except just paddle and enjoy the sunshine and, and be here in this paradise. And so that was the first time where I really just felt so peaceful, so at ease that that moment has stuck with me um, and probably will forever as one of the happiest moments. And that's why I think that that's one of my favorite places to visit. I love that. That is such an incredible story. So I have to ask, where haven't you been that you'd still like to go? I would love to go to Turkey. And I have been trying to get there for the longest time. I actually met a friend of mine um, who transitioned. She used to be from Hawaii and then she moved to uh, Turkey and she lived in Cappadocia for a little bit. And then she's living in Istanbul now. I met her at a conference last summer and she's been encouraging me to come. I was actually considering going there now for the winter break here, um, but I decided to go somewhere warm because I I need warm weather in my life. Um, it's essential that I see sunshine to be really my most productive, um, even if I'm melting like I'm here in Bali right now. And she she did mention that Turkey gets pretty cold sometimes during, during January. So I would love to go and visit during the summer or the fall. Cappadocia has, and Instagram has brought it to fame, but I've been stalking the place before it became Insta-famous because they have these gorgeous balloons, hot air balloons that take off um, from essentially like an area that has all, all these caves and things like that. So it's just beautiful geography and you get to go and take a sunrise hot air balloon ride and you can stay in one of the caves. So they have like cave hotels. Um, so you're kind of like a Fred Flintstone kind of thing, but in luxury at the same time. Um, it's very affordable. There's just been a lot of history there that I, w- I would like to see the the hot springs that they have there. And and Istanbul just seems like such a fantastic city. It's where East meets, meets West. Like you can go from Europe to Asia in the same city. And I think that's so cool. Um, there's so much culture there. And I've been wanting to make my way there for the longest time. Um, so I hope that this year it'll be in the cards for me. Um, and then hopefully while I'm there also maybe hitting up some of other places in the Middle East, uh, Egypt and and Jordan have all been really high on my list. And they've been places that are a little bit tougher to reach just because airfare isn't necessarily on sale to any of these places pretty often. It's, it's tough to get there. And I've been kind of honing my skills as well as a solo traveler. So I think when I started out solo traveling, I was intimidated about the prospect of going to the Middle East alone. Um, And I think now that I've been doing this for a little bit longer, I feel more confident in knowing that I could pull something like that off. And I, I would love to go and visit this year if possible. Sounds wonderful. That, well, that all sounds really exciting. I really hope that you can make it happen. I'm going to go buy your book and travel myself now. <laughs> so thank you so much for sharing with us today, Jen. It was a true pleasure. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Alexis. Yeah, thank you so much. Take care. You too.